if Max Scherzer walks in that clubhouse, you instantaneously feel that you are going for it. Um, you're not going to hand over 30, 35 million if that's what it takes to a 37 year old, unless you're going for it. And they need pitching. Well, this guy is a bulldog. He's a future Hall of Famer. And the mm-hmm. sentimentality of me, my fandom coming out, says, go get him. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design in St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Join this week in a crossover event St. Louis demanded. It scoops himself, the voice of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin. In a podcast for both Scoops with Danny Mac and BPIB, we discuss free agent pitchers, Scherzer, the sudden shocking manager change the Cardinals made this offseason, and the fragile position baseball is in culturally. Without further ado, here's Danny Mac. Well, it's been a while. I haven't had the chance to have the pleasure to visit with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in quite some time. Outstanding beat writer from the Post, covers Cardinals baseball, and this is a little bit of a crossover as you're hearing this podcast, maybe on the Post-Dispatch website, the best podcast in baseball, or scoopswithdannymack.com. And, uh, well, first of all, Derek, uh, happy holidays. Um yeah, happy same th- to you, Dan. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, big plans for you and your family. What do you have? Uh, not much. No, no, not much. Just uh, just some time together. Um, we have a we have a new puppy that has uh, that is taking a lot of our time. So we have to uh, take care of of her um, and, uh, and be around for her. So not mon- not many huge plans. Maybe uh, scoring a few hours with family. Um, trying to. Uh, woo my mom into maybe sharing a pumpkin pie she, hers are amazing well that's that's a good way to spend thanksgiving and good luck with the puppy um thanks let's jump into what's happening with the uh, the st louis cardinals and you know i'll start with the arizona fall league so guys like mm-hmm. yepes newt bar there was some very good pitching there do you see any of those guys graduating to the major leagues and being uh in spring training somebody that can make it off the bench for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think Newbar is expected to. I think, you know, his performance in the fall league affirmed what they saw in that second half um, in spot and, you know, kind of limited duty there in the big leagues. Um, I mean, they see him as left-handed bat off the bench, fourth outfielder, maybe sometimes DH. I mean, they've, they've, he's really, really um, heightened his, role with the team or the potential for his role with the team. Um, I think he's gone from a guy who would, you know, enter next year competing for the fourth outfield spot to somebody who's expected to win it um, and, and be a factor. Uh, I think, you know, Nolan Gorman has continued a rise that doesn't really change his ETA, changes the position at which he'll arrive. Um, but that's, you know, through moves ahead of him and the arrival of Nolan Arenado, not anything that he did. Um, but he remains on track for what was expected to be that 2022 kind of ETA, and there he is. Um, you expect at some point in time for him to contribute in the coming season. Same with Brendan Donovan, um, versatile guy. They really like him as a hitter. Um, they really feel like he's one of the examples that stands out of, of the offensive breakthrough some of the guys had, some of the players had throughout. Um, you know, he's a versatile player, plays – 
multiple positions can do that. And, you know, he's going to come to spring with a chance to compete with some of the incumbents in that role. You think about Rondon, um, for example, if, if he remains on the roster, would, uh, would Donovan challenge him for the role we saw him have toward the end of the season? And then, of course, there's Yupez, um, you know, decorated as one of the top hitters out there in the Arizona Fall League, really built on what was the breakout performance for a hitter in the Cardinals organization. Um, you know, a contender really probably for their Player of the Year award. Um, Jordan Walker would be another one, uh, the first-round pick from 2020 who had such a strong season. Um, but Yupez is a right-handed bat off the bench and really has positioned himself to uh, to see what he can do in that role. If the DH is there, then, you know, do the Cardinals want to give a look at him from the right and Newt Barr from the left, um, you know, in that spot? I, or at least, you know, have Yupez maybe appearing more um, off the bench or as some kind of matchup mix. Um, he's, he's not as versatile as Donovan, um, you know, plays – positions that are taken um, and the Carls don't expect to get a lot of starts at in uh, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. But if there's again a DH, then is Yepes the first baseman that spells Goldschmidt when Goldschmidt is at DH? Possibly. That that would make some sense. Um, but I think you saw in the Arizona Fall League, Dan, um, the guys who are, are not a year or more away they're more within the year and that that was different that was a different usage of the arizona fall league for the cardinals um they got they used it to riku missed at bats um and also ready players that they are counting on in 2022 yeah there's no doubt about that um I, i'm interested about jordan walker and yeah. it, do you honestly feel that this upcoming season by the end of the year we could see him. I mean, that's how fast he is rising. And I don't think it would surprise me if he began the year at double A. And I've always said, when you're at double A, you're awfully close to the major leagues. Oh, I agree. And the Cardinals um, operate in that way, that double A is the doorstep to the majors, that that the leap from double A to triple A is far smaller than the leap from triple A to the majors. And uh, the, uh, you know, just this notion that like you could, uh, he could move from one. I mean, we saw guys do that. Mostly pitchers, um, you know, mostly pitchers make that move, Dan. Like you think of what Carlos Martinez and Trevor Rosenthal and these guys who had only basically brief, if any, appearances in AAA. Um, but along those lines, you know, position player, a little tougher to, to make, or we just haven't seen that, make that leap. But I think what he'll get in double A. um, is a sense of the speed of the game. That's one thing that I really want to watch. I mean, look, the guy, I just was, while we were talking here, I was trying to look up the stats because I find it so fascinating. I mean, he's 6'5", 220. Um, He's not yet 20 years old. He'll turn um, 20 in May of next year. So the season will have already started. He could be a teenager at at AA. That's right-handed. I mean, he has Mm -hmm. the frame and look of, you know, right-handed swing. Um, of a Chris Bryant, and I mm-hmm. don't say that lightly. Um, he's going to draw comps to to Chris Bryant, um, maybe not as versatile fielding wise, um, but you know, middle order hitter, and haven't seen a whole lot of those. Um, but I also think that that speaks to maybe how much time they'll give him to develop and not speed his ascent. Um, 
you know, 2023, you know, would not be a surprise at all if he comes to spring training um, as some kind of bat that they want to look at. But, you know, in that framework, he's going to have to find a different position than a corner infield. They sure. Hope. Yeah, there's no question, and I'm sure they feel he's athletic enough in talking with those around the organization. Right field, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. he could play in the outfield and have uh, no issues with that. I know a lot of fans that are listening to this conversation are curious about what direction the Cardinals may go in in the uh, free agent market, whether it's a, a shortstop. Some people are saying, hey, you got to have more offense. I can make the case for that. I also could say, Derek, that when this team wins and they have those that throw strikes on the mound, relievers or starters, this team is going to win because of elite defense. And it is elite. Yeah. It's the best in the sport. So my gut tells me that they're leaning towards uh, pitching, but what what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, all indication, especially as we talk today, is that they are um, deep in the in the starter talks, um, deep in looking at free agents. They want to they want to add a starter. Um, you know, if you think of like a it's not it's an imperfect thing, but let's say you think of a rotation that's five deep, right? A five man rotation that's pretty common. But if you rank them, right, like one, two, three, four, five. Um, you know, if they could find a, a, a three or better, they'd be pretty thrilled. Um, they, they think this market has that kind of option for them. They, they see multiple guys who they would consider, quote, unquote, an upgrade for their rotation. Um, you know, a, a certainty is another way to look at it. Um, I also was told, you know, that if they could find somebody that they could compete for a playoff start for them, they'd be really intrigued by that. You think about that in the frame of the way the Cardinals are talking, and that would be – like competing with Dakota Hudson, right, and Miles Michaelis to be part of a <clears throat> playoff rotation. Sure. And they see those options there, um, in part because of the defense they have. I mean, they can look at some of these guys that maybe other teams go, wow, that strikeout rate, they, man, that guy doesn't miss a lot of bats. And the Cardinals can go, yeah, we want that. That That's great. Let's go for that. Um, it's a little bit different than the industry that fixates on, you know, the high spin rates, elevated fastballs, and the, the Cardinals – can go well here are a couple sinker ballers i mean you think about like you know i just i just was put a story about this up on the post dispatch but you know i mean you sort the pitchers by um you know by by starters who threw more than 2000 pitches last year and you know, go by sinker and three of the top 10 are free agents right now mats wood and stroman yeah and pretty easy to 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 it's pretty easy to draw the line between what the cardinals are saying they want to find and a pitcher like steven matz or a pitcher like marcus stroman and you can understand then a lot of fans are saying well what about the st louis native max scherzer um yep are they kicking the tires on that and is that yep. even a reality it's a reality um you know i think there, there's mutual interest there uh you know this past um summer i was told that that scherzer would not have, you know, wanted to go west, right? His his focus via trade because he had the power with the Nationals was to go west. Um, you know, was intrigued by the teams and the contenders that were out there, meaning the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. He he landed with the Dodgers, um, pitched against the Cardinals in the wild card game, which everybody knows. Um, but they, I mean, he sees um, what the what the Cardinals see that they have a good team and they they feel that they could have a really good team um with the addition of a starter and he could be that guy so yeah the, the interest is mutual you know it's a matter of again like who else is in the frame who else is willing to drive that price up 
um, from the Cardinals' perspective, the short-term deal is appealing to them. Um, the durability Scherzer's thrown. Um, you know, it's not the seven- or eight-year deal that the Cardinals shied away from even talking to him about when he was a free agent previously. Um, this is a shorter-term deal with a higher AAV. Um, the Cardinals seem to be in a position to to consider that. It's interesting, and it's fascinating, and it's fun for fans to talk about. Um, and I'm going to jump into this then. Do you what would en- you like to see, Dan? Though I mean, you, you chime in here. I well, your show, but oh no, no, no! Like this is see? the best podcast in baseball slash no, no, my it's show. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. What would you like to? What would you like to see? I mean, do you, for you, does it make sense for them to to really double down on, yes. on pitching and run prevention? Yes, um, and I know a lot of fans would look at the shortstop position. I think you can have that covered by what we saw with the young and with Sosa last year. Um, And looking at the defense that Sosa provided, and Paul DeYoung is no slouch. He's fine. Matter of fact, the metrics would say at times he's better than fine. Sosa, defensive run saved, was outstanding in limited time. Mm -hmm. You know, so can you get production out of that spot? I'm I'm counting on the fact that Tyler O'Neill is Tyler O'Neill, that what I saw last year is the player that they all envisioned when they made that deal with Seattle and Marco Gonzalez. I saw a better player at the plate with Bader, with sliders, and with outside pitches. It's not to say it won't happen again where, you know, he can get susceptible to that pitch from righties, but I do like what I'm seeing. I think Dylan Carlson, out of all these people we talk about in two to three years, is going to be a superstar in this league. Your corner infield position is already settled. I don't really want to move Tommy Edmond. He's a gold glover there. I was telling people, I said, hey, when Colton Wong left, I said, I'm telling you, you got to watch this guy play. He can flat out play, and he can defensively. Now we can talk about you know, what you would do on both sides of the plate, and maybe that's something that Ali Marmol will adjust as we go uh, forward with next season, and then you know what you have in your catcher spot in Yachty. So having said all that, and I know I've got a pretty good core of relievers coming back, if if Max Scherzer walks in that clubhouse, you instantaneously feel that you are going for it. Um, you're not going to hand over $30, 35000000 million if that's what it takes to a 37-year-old unless you're going for it, and they need pitching. Um, if we learned anything from last year with Happ and Lester and Wade LeBlanc, who is an unsung hero from last year, is that if you can throw strikes, you don't have to be overpowering. You can win. Well, this guy is a bulldog. He's a future Hall of Famer. And the mm-hmm. sentimentality of me, my fandom coming out, says, go get him. Then there's the realist in me that says, not only do you need a starter, so let's drop down to maybe a three, a three or a four, but I would actually get one more. And that one more would be more of a swing guy that if he can't crack my rotation, I'm comfortable, he's comfortable going into the bullpen. I don't know who that is, but I think you get my drift here is that my – general feeling is that I believe that pitching is where they should go. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think this market plays to that too. I mean, I, I could, you and I could sit here and we could probably riff on what we could probably come up with five, six names easily that we, that we think would change and improve the team. Well, I mean, to um, me, Stroman, every, every possible box that you can check when he's on the mound checks very yeah. positively for the Cardinals. Yep. Now, yep. one of the things that you have to consider, and I would look at Steven Matz in the, uh, the same way, years and dollars. And when I think about that, Derek, I think about how am I going to pay eventually, if he stays here, Jack Flaherty. 
at some point I got to pay the left fielder who's turning into a superstar. Uh, this coming year, he's due a pretty good raise. Yes. At some point, Dylan Carlson's going to make a lot of money. Tommy Edmonds going to make his fair share. And I'm not saying that all these guys are going to be here in two or three years, but that's how I'm looking at it, too. It's not just for the now. It's for what I'm looking for three to five years down the line and what the budget may be. And that's where it gets a little complicated with those guys. I agree. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to mention a name here that that might be part of that factor. No, that will be part of that factor, too. I don't think you can discount Dakota Hudson. Absolutely. Um, it's entirely possible point. that Dakota Hudson leaves the 2022 season as the number two starter for this team or more and is in line for, um, you know, a, a, an extension somewhat like Carlos Martinez received and Sandy Alcantara just yeah. received. Um, you know, I know that he, he will have the missing year. Um, that those two pitchers did not when they signed those extensions. Um, Sandy Alcantara has been superb since the Cardinals traded him to the Marlins. He's really risen as their as their ace. Um, but Hudson is in that realm, and I think that does come into the Cardinals' thinking. Is they go, okay, well, who is in that year three of this deal, or four, or if it takes five, who are the pitchers that they're counting on clearly the newcomer would be one Hudson would be one and then they go okay well Libertor they want that Libertor to be part of that um and who else and you know they do they count on Flaherty being there or you know they really don't know at this point what's your gut with that I mean do you think that they approach him this spring training if he's healthy and say all right you got two years left before free agency um, and I'm, I'm just thinking like out loud of the candidates for an extension that we've seen under Mo. You know, you usually yeah. get one or two in spring training. Alan Craig, Colton Wong, Matt Carpenter going all the way back then. Um, Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis. Is Jack Flaherty that guy? Is Tyler O'Neill, Bader? There's a lot of candidates that you could look at. Yeah. I, I don't know because of the CBA. Yeah. That we'll, we'll know more, and so will the Cardinals we'll have a real clear view of what they can do, who they can approach and who makes sense for them to approach with a new CBA in place. Um, There's going to be probably a lot of frustration between now and then um, throughout the industry. But once that CBA emerges and is agreed upon and we have a clear sense of how younger players are going to make more money and how the arbitration process is going to shift in, we'll know. Um, It's entirely possible, you know, that Jack Flaherty might have access to free agency quicker than, you know, than than currently. Um, That would also mean that Tyler O'Neill would too. And so they would have to make their choice. And all of a sudden now guys that we've talked about, like a Jordan Walker, would factor into that decision too. Um, You know, where does he fit for long term? You know, in the coming year, the 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 salary and how much the Cardinals have to carry for Nolan Arenado rises. Um, but I but they still are in a position, um, especially when you think about like Wainwright. At what point in time will he not be part of that rotation? The Cardinals wouldn't mind signing the guy that they turn to and go, okay, thank goodness he's part of that rotation. Now that Wainwright's retired. And that money, you know, 
we'll go to it. Yeah, I I'm fascinated between now Thanksgiving and uh, December first at midnight when the CBA expires, and then at that point, for fans who don't know, uh, business outside of uh, Major League Baseball can move on. Your minor league business, you're you're getting ready for a draft, but if Mo wants to talk to Maybe. Scott Boris. Yeah, well, that's true too. But it looks like that's what the case would be. That's my understanding. But let me just say this: so, yeah. so if it's Mo got wants some wrinkles, it's some weird stuff. Well, if Mo wants happen. to talk to Scott Boris. Yeah. He can't. If he wants to talk yep. to an agent, he can't. Can't talk to his players. Um, so I, I'm fascinated here. Do players feel? And I think we're seeing it: a sense of urgency to get this thing done. If they're a free agent, to get a deal done with a team before the deadline, and I think teams are feeling that sense of urgency as well. So the next, uh, you know, let's say seven to nine days could be wild right now in Major League Baseball. This time next week could be crazy. I agree. And, you know, you think about, like, okay, it comes to an agreement, takes about 48 hours, what, to finalize a deal? So you're looking at the the weekend before December 1st being pretty hectic. Yeah, Um, You know, we're not seeing a whole lot. Uh, and maybe, you know, I mean, this is just kind of, I mean, this could change, obviously. Um, but not a whole lot of like, you know, movement, acceleration, urgency in the shortstop world. Um, and I don't know if we're going to see, you know, Stephen Mass, according to reports out of New York, wants to make a decision by Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Does that then lead to a cascade of starters like Stroman? And if Scherzer waits out, you know, who's available, um, and it sure seems like the Giants are filling up on their rotation as well, then does that mean that, you know, come the freeze, Scherzer, who is, let's also point out, is very involved in the negotiations as a member of the union's executive committee, um, he and Andrew Miller are part of that. So is Marcus um, Simeon. So you think about, you know, those guys um, who are free agents and involved in the negotiations. How does that change things? I don't know. You know, Dan, I'd like to get your opinion on it. I mean, we usually see kind of a domino effect, right? Um, some starters sign and then the other ones go in line <clears throat> as supply and demand sorts out. Do you think Scherzer stands above that? I do. I, I think he's okay. one of the outliers. I agree with you on the shortstop market because those are massive deals um, that are complicated, and I think you wait for at least how – Clarity. Yeah. I, I You look for more clarity with this, um, and I do think we've seen like that middle tier and, and maybe high-end middle tier pitchers starting to sign, like Di Slafani and what he did with the Giants. That that kind of mm-hmm. gives you a little bit of a bar. Um, you know, what we're going to see here with Alex Wood and have seen um, and a few others that are signing now, which then sets the market and then teams and representation players understand what they're dealing with. And so now they say, hey, let's just get the deal done. I, I don't want to deal with it coming afterwards with a frenzy and having if it's two weeks before spring training and we're open for business, which I think is bad anyway. Um, generally speaking, I don't think it's good to shut down the game. I think it's going to be awful. But if this is where we're going, I, I do kind of think that's the direction that would uh, you know, kind of dictate where these teams and, and where these players go. And that's why I think – this next week and a half could be kind of like a, a free for all <clears throat> for pitching, middle tier pitching, and maybe relievers as we uh, as we move forward. 
I find it I find it interesting that uh, And by the way, by the way, Derek, I also think teams want to have an idea. You know, so what's it look like when they come out of the CBA? You know they want to have a pretty good idea of what they look like going into spring training, so it really ups the ante to get this done now. Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I think we're you know, and I and I think you mentioned like the, the mid tier starters. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's a pretty strong group. In fact, I almost think it's like not I don't know how to describe it because like the mid tier of this free agent group is still pretty high end when you talk about like how we judge starters right now. Like a mid, um, you know, I almost want to like re like twist the classifications, right? Like, you know, there are quality start guys in this mix. Very much so. Who maybe would be considered mid tier for this um, free agent group, but are definitely not mid tier pitchers when you open up the whole group. I would agree with that. I um, I am curious. Will we have a lockdown? Um, you know, coming on de- December first or a lockout? I should say. I'm sick of lockdowns. Um, are we going to have a lockout? Looking at uh, Major League Baseball, what's your gut feeling? And then, if so, how long does it last? Yeah, I mean, I don't see any any route where we don't have a lockout of some type. Right, the CBA expires. Um, things stop December second. Um, there's just no deadline. There's you know, you and I have both been around and fans who have paid attention to to it know that, you know, deadlines are what makes baseball move. No deadlines question. News, I keep equating it to the trade news. deadline. Like, it, Absolutely. It, you know, there's a reason that it hits 4 Eastern on that day or 3 or whatever it is, and yeah. and, and stuff is hitting the fan because that's the deadline. That's when you that's know. It. Here's the yeah. Rule 5, guys. you got to have it in by this. Here's who you're protecting. you got to have it. I mean, baseball is done – Many sports, but baseball is done with deadlines. Here's here's where I'm. I don't know what you think about this, and I I have thought a lot about it. You know, we're coming off two years ago, no fans in the stands, and an ugly and and there's no other way to put it. Baseball was embarrassed. Uh, I think everybody by how we got back in the COVID season. I'm assuming you would agree mm-hmm. with that. Then yeah. last year, you're talking about well, the squabbling was. That's what bad. I mean. Yeah, I mean yeah, to yeah. the to the general public at that time in our lives. I mean that was like the last thing you want to hear about. Just get back on the field and play, figure it out. And then yep. you had, and then it was just ugliness, you know, on both sides. And then last year, <clears throat> you have reduced crowds, and teams did not, you know, generate the kind of revenue that they they did um, in normal years. And, and you look at like December and January and the Cardinals are a great example of this. This is the time when you're coming out marketing Trevor's story, Max Scherzer, you pick the player. And Oh, by the way, we had a 17 game winning streak. Oh, by the way, we have a new manager. Oh, by the way, we have cub home games, uh, on the weekends. The Yankees are going to be here in town. So get your ticket packs, which usually is a good, um, representation of what you may see for the appetite going into the regular season and single tickets go on sale, this is your time to market and you're going to lose that momentum. And hot stove is something that keeps you on the front burner. And I get that we're looking at maybe a five-year agreement or whatever the the case may be. So what's a couple of months? I understand that. But I also Mm -hmm. think there's got to be a sense of urgency for 2022 and I'm just I'm kind of baffled that we haven't said, hey, we need like the commissioner coming out the other day and saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but hey, we don't under, you know why I, I can't understand why fans don't understand that you know we we're gonna get a deal done and we're not losing games, so you know everything's uh, kumbaya. 
No, the answer should have been, we're doing everything in our power to get this thing done by December 1st so we have no bump in the road. That's what a true fan wants to hear. They don't want to hear all the rhetoric. They just want to know I can buy my tickets and watch my favorite player. And for a lot of people in this St. Louis, yeah, it's St. Louis Cardinals. It's a regional team. So they're they're based in vacations. They're based in a trip into St. Louis. That's a missed opportunity if this thing drags on. I I truly believe that. Yeah. I mean, I I – really appreciate all the sentiment that you just gave. I mean, um, baseball is an entertainment industry. And if, uh, you know, you think about it in those terms, you know, people want to buy, know that they're going to get a product when they buy tickets. So how many stocking stuffers are there going to be? How much interest is there really going to be in those um, ticket packages that usually go under the tree or, you know, go as gifts or the companies give? right? As bonuses. Sure. How much interest is there really going to be in those if there's a lockout at the time? Um, you know, it, you don't see people giving at Christmas um, a movie ticket to, you know, whatever, Avengers 6, which yeah. isn't even in production. Well, right? and, and you know, Derek, and that you don't count on it. The Cardinals have uh, so many groups of hundreds of people that come to the ballpark that are based on knowing that, hey, on January, or I'm sorry, June 7th, we're going to be at the ballpark, and it's the yeah. you know, American Cancer Society group. And over there, it's right. Church X, and over here, it's the Boy Scouts or whatever. You know, you, you count on having those dates in place, and that's what really hurt them in some ways, um, myriad of reasons as to why attendance was down until they caught on fire. But um, that was a big one. I mean, they're group leaders. And so it's a great point. You know, those are things yeah. that I, I just wonder if like Bill DeWitt is in the ear of other owners and saying, and you know how powerful he is like, hey, man, we, we got to get this going. You know, we we, we mm-hmm. need to market. We Yes, it's about the five year agreement and let's get things in place. Let's correct the game on various things, business and between the white lines. But Let's not have an eye on what we have for next season. I just wonder if that's being said. I really do. I do too. Um, we just don't have um, we just don't have some kind of you know deadline push there. An expiration is not a deadline. Yeah, I cannot say that enough. An expiration is not a deadline. You're right. The pinch the pinch does not come. Really, does it not start until that February period? when they start looking at ahead at having to scrunch spring training, which they can do. They've learned that they can do that. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, I wonder, the though, what, what do you think that is, though? If you crunch it, is it uh, – March 1st. Yeah. So you, you want four weeks of spring training and then, you know, about 28 days is what you would get because I believe yeah. the season opens up in late March. So, yep. you know, roughly yep. four weeks. You could probably do that. March 1st. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think one tell – you know, if this lingers long and, you know, kind of like we expect this to be, um, I, one tell will be when starters start throwing. Mm-hmm. If the union gives a heads up and says, hey, guys, you know, start looking at February 1st to get that arm going, then you know that all, that, that a deadline is coming. Yeah, but they'd probably play. be doing that anyway, don't you think? They would, but I think there's a there's a notice, right? Like, you know, you want to start ramping up. Yeah. Remember, like, I got remember you. how we kind of went through yeah. that with the 2020, yeah. where it was like, hey, maintain, maintain, throw every so often. And then there was like, you know, hey, heads up, you want to get more aggressive. Yeah. And that was what, about June 4th? Yeah, maybe, that's fair. Maybe a little bit later. Maybe it was Flag Day, about two weeks before things got going. Yeah, that's about the time. 
it was right around then when they were like, hey, get more aggressive with your throwing. Sure. Start, start to really ramp it up um, because it's going to be a month. You want to be – you don't want to be the guy who's throwing two bullpens before fa- being ready to face hitters. Throw those bullpens now. Uh, you know, that, that was kind of the discussion point. Now, the – the twist on this will be exactly what you described at two thought one is just very like, um, you know, as far as the logistics of it is back then the pitching coaches could reach out and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're looking at here. Let's talk schedule. This, that can't happen now with 40 man guys, right. There's a lockout. The pitching coach won't be able to reach out. Some of these guys who are rehabbing with other teams, um, and some of with the Cardinals, I guess you'd have like a Jordan Hicks or a Ryan Helsley. Some of these guys who the trainers want to be with who are on the 40-man roster, that can't happen. Um, the, thing, the other thing like is more global, and I, I, and I want to echo your sentiments um, and add to them. Uh, and I think some folks have probably heard me say this before, um, but I'll continue to say it. You know, in our culture, in our country's history, baseball has often been – a mending force. It has been a community glue, um, something that has brought people together to enjoy the game, wearing the same colors. However, coming from all states all around, in the case of the Cardinals, um, you know, one of the more moving things that I, I've seen was when Minnesota, after all it went through, um, they had all these tributes there when they finally had a game there. There weren't any fans in the crowd, but, you know, they had the moment of silence and the the discussions and the memorial for George Floyd. And then they had this celebration of first responders who had been so involved in helping people through the pandemic and just the medical crisis that was going on. Um, you know, they just hit so many of the profoundly comforting notes and of course they did, because that's what baseball does. When the country returned from war, baseball was there, and the baseball stars were back. And you think of like just the boom time for baseball at that point. When the nation was shook by tragedy and the terrorist attack of 9-11, what are the, what's the sporting image we remember most? It was at a baseball field. You know, that fall, you know, when the, when the World Series went into November, that was part of the, you know, the, the reconnecting, the, the coming together as a community, as a culture. Baseball was there for that. What happens, Dan? This is the question that I have. What happens if, as the country emerges from the pandemic and all the other, you know, fissures that are just spreading through our culture, what if we can kind of mend those and we emerge from this pandemic in the spring of next year and look around for something to do as a community and baseball's not there. Yeah. I, I would like to think that they understand that. I I really do. I also think that they feel that with what happened in 2020, they realize that can't happen again. It it just can't. And you truly will lose. I've always felt like you're going to get fans back. If there's a stoppage, I, I went through a, couple of stoppages in hockey. The fans came mm-hmm. back. Uh, we were the first game back way back when in, I guess it was 2001, maybe, 02, we were at Wrigley Field. 
and we were the first game out of the shoot that afternoon where I was down having breakfast with my soon-to-be wife. Steve Klein came in and said, pack your bags, we're going home. And sure enough, they got a deal mm-hmm. struck. Um, and we were the first game out of the shoot at Wrigley because it was a day game. And there was an right. excitement around that. Great I don't point. Know if, I don't know if you remember that. but So I, I think that they – but this is unlike anything we've ever dealt with in our lifetimes, a pandemic, a shutdown of the game, uh, a shutdown of our lives, and people being essentially locked down in their homes, and we all were waiting for something, and all we heard about was the bickering. And people did not want to hear that at that point. And I think that they felt coming out of that like, oh, boy. You know, I think it opened up the eyes on a lot of people. And I could be completely wrong, and I could be naive. And I understand this is about dollars and cents. I get it. It's a business. It's an entertainment business. But I do believe that they look at it and say, gentlemen, we've got 9 to $12 billion that we need to split up and do it right to where everybody's treated as fairly as we can make this. But for the betterment of the game, and I'd love to have somebody be that person, say, for the betterment of the game, meaning the fans, those that support us, we can't afford to stop playing. And we've got to do this in a as classy a way as we can. And we haven't heard a lot of leaks, which is good. We haven't heard, been hearing that. But we've got to take care of the game. We have to be stewards of the game. And uh, I'd like to think, and again, I hope I'm not naive about it, I'd like to think that that is being said right now. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. I uh, I have two thoughts on that one. You think I'm crazy? No, no. I I think you're a wonderful optimist, and and (laughs) I appreciate the I appreciate the glow of your optimism. Um, I don't think I uh, prior to the pandemic, by the way, Derek. If and we all knew this was coming, this day of reckoning, if you will. I don't know if I would have said the same thing. But now, oh, that's fair. you know, now with what's happened um, and everybody's that's, been hit, yeah. you know, it's a, you have to have a different that's my view. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's my point is baseball has always been, you know, a uniter. Um, and I just think it's at a fragile. I think it's I think baseball is at its most fragile point um, in our lifetime. In what um, way, though? I think because I of the that, game you know, itself or the money and uh, fan interest. What do you think? Both. I think, uh, you know, I think. You know, the, the, you keep expecting um, the bubble to burst on rights fees. Maybe it won't um, because live sports, as you know, is so valuable. It sure um, is, it's yeah. Not like, it's not like ratings are going robust. Um, and an a la carte cable bill will <clears> change that immediately because all of a sudden you're not paying for um, channels you're not watching. Sure. Um, you know, and so. Oh, yeah. It's a fascinating they, I, time to be in television and sports. No question. Well. Absolutely, and I think that's also part of it. I mean, you have gambling more prominent. I was than ever just going to say gambling. Gambling is is going to be so big, you know. It's going to be so big, but that's also going to it could turn some people off. It's going to change in some ways how we watch, um, and for some folks, how they enjoy the game. Um, it's and and how they interact with it. Um, you know, all of a sudden now. You know, it's not just fantasy football where you're watching football games not because you're a fan of a team, but because you're a fan of the performance of that quarterback. And maybe you're watching this other game because you're you need this performance from that tight end. Now you're going to see an increase in dollars on individual performances. So you might not be a Toronto Blue Jays fan, but you're going to watch the Blue Jays game because you have more money on that game. Than say even the 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 team you grow. I mean, it's gonna it could fracture 
how people, you know, choose to be fans of the game. Um, plus, there has never been more alternatives for fans, um, not just in sports, but entertainment in total. Well, we found that um, out, and I, uh, I'm going to interrupt you here for a second. Yeah. For instance, yeah. during the, the, the lockdown, so now you can't come to the ballpark. You have X amount of dollars for discretionary income, and people mm-hmm. found other things to do. You know, yep. so maybe instead of going on that vacation to St. Louis or Chicago or Cincinnati or wherever you may go to go watch a ball game and take your family, maybe you found something else and you liked it. And that's what I hope baseball understands is look, you gotta you gotta stay on the field and you gotta stay front and center to keep your sport as thriving as it is. And it is look, every sport has got wards, and certainly baseball has its wards. But, man, yep. if you looked at it as an industry and as a business, holy smokes, there's a lot of people making a lot of money. So don't screw it the, up. The one thing that baseball has over all other sports <clears throat> is its presence. It is ubiquitous. Yep. It, is, it is daily. There is, what, maybe there might be three days on the calendar where there's not a baseball thing. I can't even think of them. January well, the 1st, maybe? The, New Year's yeah, Day? The day after the All-Star game, right? But but even then though, you're still talking about you you know, there there You are. There's there's nothing. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to think right. of like a day that there is nothing going on. And I you can't well, even say Christmas because in 96 nope. the Cardinals went and got Andy Bennis and Ron Gann on Christmas Eve. So yeah, And Jeff Supan signed on Jeff Supan yes. signed on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I, you know, I just I mean, and I think of like Kurt so Schilling on Thanksgiving. Is there. Yeah, yeah, baseball is always there. And, you know, at a time when people, you know, really gravitate towards um, having on-demand stuff, right, streaming the show when they want it, they DVR, all that stuff, you know, baseball fits that. Baseball's always there and usually there with something live and something new, be it a game or be it a news report or be it some speculation or be it the Hall of Fame ballot or be it the – Hall of Fame debate or any of these things. That's Baseball's right. Baseball's always there with something new. And if it's not, if it's not, if they lock out long enough and baseball slips from the consciousness. I always say it, out of sight, out of mind. That con- yep, and breaches that, con- that, that contract of being ever-present, even if people take it for granted. Um, I think that's a problem, and that's why I say it's fragile. Hey, we've got a long time with this, and there is something I did want to ask you about. We can wrap it up here, and thanks for your time, Derek. This is fun to do this on uh, the Post-Dispatch website and your Twitter feed and Scoops with Danny Mac because um, I love visiting with you, and we don't get the chance to do it enough. And with I the... like being back with Scoops. This is nice. Well, the pandemic, uh, we made it. We made it, baby. Um, oh, that's awesome. But we didn't have a chance to visit as much in person, and, and uh, I, I miss that. But hopefully we get back to that this spring. Um, I was really curious what you thought of, of the hiring of Ollie and and letting go of Mike Schilt. And for anybody that knows me, I, I love Mike Schilt, and I thought he did a great job. Um, but I'm not the one that is in you know those seats to make certain decisions that the club did. I love Ollie. I think Ollie's going to be very, very good, and he's going to inherit a very, very good team. So just your thoughts. Initially, I was very surprised, first of all, when people asked me, so I'll say it on the podcast, I was shocked when Mike Schilt was let go. Did I think there were some issues, you know, behind the scenes? Yeah, I, I think any of these relationships with any coach in any sport in a front office, I don't care how much they're winning, there's issues. 
But it wasn't something that I thought, and I don't know what they were, but I never thought it'd get to the point where they were saying goodbye to Mike Schild. So Mike will get another chance somewhere. He's a great baseball man, and he's going to win. Now, having said that, I feel the same way about Ollie. Um, so just your thoughts on on Mike getting let go and then hiring Ollie and adding Skip Schumacher and Turner Ward. So Oh, boy. There's about uh, 10 questions. hour? Yeah. Well, yeah, let's start with Mike. What did you think of Mike? Uh, it was stunning. I mean, yeah. I think I think I think it was. People are like, "Well, did you see it coming?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, the Cardinals didn't see it coming. Uh, Mike Schilt didn't see it coming. So, you know, no, I did not. I, you know, that's not. I hope that's not some indictment on my spider sense as a reporter. But no one did. Um, you know, it 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 was something that happened in the post game meetings, and then, you know, Mosaic had several days of circling back and trying to sort through. Um, you know, what direction the team was going in and, and whether or not there could be anything repaired um, based on, you know, the, the concerns and then, you know, made the call. And when they made the call, they made it fast. Um, they, they let, you know, Schilt know and within what an hour, a couple hours were announcing the move and they had to get permission from major league baseball to do it on the day of a, of a playoff game. So obviously it, it happened fast and, it was not expected. Um, I think it was uh, I think it was Mozeliak who said he did not fly back from L.A. thinking he was going to fire his manager. And I know within what 72 hours before their announcement, there there was still thought that they were going to work out an extension. Uh, maybe even within 24 hours of the announcement, the the thought was that they would end up with an extension for their manager not firing him. So um, that it was stunning and. That press conference was one that uh, the the Cardinals were disappointed by. They could have handled it better, and they should have. They they should have handled it better for for Mike Schilt's benefit. Um, it left him with questions to ask, answer that he shouldn't have had to a- answer from his next employer. Um, and we'll, he's gonna he's gonna succeed somewhere, um, and I look forward to seeing where that is. Um, I think it's it's fascinating his next position, um, and, and how that could lead to his next managerial job. Agreed. And now Ollie and his staff, what do you think? So, you know, Oliver Marmol, uh, super young, you know, the youngest manager by many, many years, only manager in his thirties in the majors and, uh, comes at it with experience beyond his age, um, and poise beyond his age. And I think, you know, some of the skills that he showed, um, and that we really got a sense of in the past season um, are going to help him. Um, you know, he's a guy we just I just was describing baseball this way, but he does seem to be, you know, a consensus builder, um, a un- unifier. And I think that will work really well with his staff. The, the, the staff that is returning has a fondness for Marmol, obviously. Um, the Cardinals really prioritize bringing that staff back. Um, you know, to the point that they offered raises and multi-year deals to several of the of the coaches to make sure that it was appealing for them to come back. Uh, and I think Marmol has a real sense of how to delegate and trust and then bring together the staff so that it's an alloy, um, uh, not uh, not like a not like a team of rivals. Um, they can disagree but he's going to bring them to consensus. And I, I'm really eager to see how that works. Um, you know, I, I think he, I think he will, um, I think he enters this year in an interesting spot because, uh, you know, that 
there are high expectations for this team. There is a lot of optimism internally for how good this team thinks that it can be player-wise, coach-wise, front office-wise, ownership-wise. They they think that they have a lot of momentum, um, and that made the firing of Schultz all that more um, jarring because they felt they had a lot of things going in the right direction um, to be a leader in the National League um, to start this coming season. If they stumble out of the gate, um, if the roster <clears throat> doesn't perform as expected or the roster looks weak, weaker than expected, um, you know, it won't be the manager that faces the questions on that. Right. You know, it sure. will be, it will be the front office. Um, so in a way, um, Marmol gets to have his first year out of the spotlight with the pressure elsewhere in the organization. Yeah, and I bet I he would disagree with that. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Well, wouldn't you expect that? Yeah, though? I, mean, I I know yeah. what you're saying. I'm just giving you trouble. Yeah, no, yeah, but, sure. I mean, but public perception is that this is on the front office. Look, sure. you had a manager who finished third in the voting for manager of the year, got the team to three consecutive postseasons. You fired that guy. It's on you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's I think that's very clear. Yes. Hey, buddy, this was fun, and uh, we almost and went an Skip hour, man. Back is fantastic. I love it. Just Skip's one of my all-time time. favorites, and Skip he'll be is a, a manager. rising star. Yeah, he's a rising star in in the industry. Players um, throughout the game, not just his former teammates and everything like that, but players throughout the game um, have tremendous respect for him. I got to spend some time with him. I loved your article. That was great. Yeah. And, you know, I've known him since forever. Um, You know, I mean, it wasn't wasn't too long after I started on the beat that he debuted. And, you know, he and Wainwright, we got to see them, you know, really grow as friends. Um, all that stuff you were around as well Um, to see the effort and thought and planning and curiosity and intellect and everything that he's put in to really driving himself as a coach and motivated by the opportunity to not just be a manager at some point in time, but be an exceptional manager I was really struck by that. I, that's that's the thing. I, in talking with him, it became very clear that he's going to manage someday, but he's not going to manage someday because it's his turn. He's going to manage someday because he's going to be exceptional as a manager, like top flight manager. And that's where he's going to really. Um, I mean, his his he's going to be he's going to be a factor in major league baseball for many years to come here no question um happy thanksgiving to you and yours great holiday season and uh we'll have to do this again maybe many times before uh christmas gets yeah, here we'll time. and start yeah. start making this a regular thing yeah we'll have time apparently well, unfortunately you got to stay optimistic derek that's we're in the thanksgiving season so yeah be happy okay yeah i will i will uh, Hey, buddy, thanks I'm for doing this. I'm thankful for this time. I'm thankful for the chance to talk with you, Dan. Me Have too. Have a great holiday. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. A special thanks to Dan McLaughlin for the idea and for hosting this crossover cast. You can find him at Scoops with Danny Mac, the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design, and all of the Post-Dispatch's constant Cardinals coverage is available at stltoday.com. The best podcast in baseball is, again, sponsored by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Enjoy the holidays, and I will talk to you soon. No, really soon. Like, seriously soon. I promise you, it's going to be soon. Sooner and... 
might even be now. Stay informed, stay healthy.